All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night. I'm recording this pretty late after the game finished on Sunday afternoon over the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Nuggets, they lost their eight-game winning streak in this one. Uh, this was uh, this was pretty, pretty poor. Uh, it's it's too bad that the, the winning streak had to come to an end in this regard. The Nuggets lost this one 105-87. to the Nuggets fell apart in the fourth quarter. They lost the fourth quarter 31 to 8. Uh kind of they went from a a 5-point lead to a 17-point or 18-point deficit. That's really bad. That is really really bad and you don't need me to tell you that. Let's be honest. I'm, if you clicked on this podcast, you're probably surprised, man. Why is Ryan even podcasting after this game because this was a complete an utter just crap fest that they put on in the late third and entire fourth quarter. There were good things at the beginning of this game. There were good things through the start with the starting unit throughout. Unfortunately, those were all completely shredded to pieces with regard to the storylines because this team completely lost focus and cratered, uh, fell apart, uh, just completely came apart at the seams and, it's too bad because I thought that this team would be past this. I didn't think that the anatomy of this loss would be quite like that. But this was a complete collapse, and it started with the bench unit in the third quarter. We're going to talk about it here. The Nuggets were up 79-65 to 65 with two minutes left in the third quarter of this one. They had started struggling a little bit, but there were some good semblances of offense throughout there. Uh, Michael Porter comes out. He's replaced by P.J. Dozier. Denver goes with a three-guard look. Faku, Monte, P.J., and as well as uh, Jamichael Green and Nikola Jokic. Four straight turnovers, along with Jokic then being subbed out for Paul Millsap, uh, then led to a 9-0 run. It was 79-74 at the start of the, thir- at the, the fourth quarter. So, Denver gives up a 9-0 run at the end of the third. And it already felt like the momentum was slipping. And because Denver had sort of like... Nikola Jokic had just gotten out of the game with one minute to go in the third quarter. So if Denver fell apart at the beginning of the fourth quarter, this was going to get ugly really quick. And and unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Because at the start of the fourth quarter, the Nuggets scored exactly one point in the first five minutes of the quarter. The lineup on the floor, Monte Morris, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green, just was stuck in the mud the entire time. They had nothing going for them. They couldn't create open shots. They couldn't create offensive rebounds. They were turning over the ball. They couldn't get to the free throw line. It was trash. And then, with about three minutes into that fourth quarter, just over three minutes, it was an 85-80 to lead, basically. It was really 82-80, to but it was a three-shot foul when Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon all came back into the game. So it was basically 85-80. to The Nuggets had gone from a 79-65 to lead with two minutes left in the third to three and a half minutes into the fourth quarter, trailing 85 to 80. 
the Celtics went on a 20-1 to run with Michael Porter Jr. off the floor. That's not even to factor in the fact that Michael Porter Jr. was pretty awful shooting the ball today. It wasn't like he wasn't some saving grace. He was actually really bad. I thought his shot selection at times was atrocious tonight. But he wasn't even close to the biggest part of the problem. The biggest part of the problem is that the Nuggets have a really, really terrible bench offense right now. They can't create offense with Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap on the floor together. It's getting really bad. I'm going to talk about why. I think there are definitely some reasons that are going to have to go over. But it was basically 85-80 to when Jokic, Gordon, and Porter return. That was with about eight and a half minutes to go. So, there is definitely a possibility for them to come back. The defense at this point wasn't that bad. Denver was still in this game. The problem was that that group started with three missed threes with a Monte Morris pull-up two mixed in there, along with a turnover. So basically, they were one of five on trips down on the offensive end. And after that, after a timeout taken by Michael Malone, the Nuggets went to Nikola Jokic in the post. He was up against Grant Williams, who is a player that I said earlier this year that despite the fact that he's really struggled, he would fit really well in a Nuggets uniform. He looked pretty good tonight despite not scoring any points, or barely any points if he did. Jokic couldn't get any shots up against Grant Williams. That is not a good sign. Grant Williams is like 6'6", 6'7", but he's thick. He's a guy that Jokic couldn't move. And when Jokic couldn't move him, he had no idea what to do. There were three ugly shot attempts, one of which was blocked, that Jokic just, when he went into the post, he didn't know what he wanted to accomplish at that point. And he was taken completely out of his rhythm. He had already had a technical foul earlier in the day. He was very upset by the officials. He did get seven free throw attempts today, so it wasn't like he didn't get any calls. But in this case, where he clearly didn't deserve free throw calls and then still wanted to get them when he was completely stonewalled by a second-year player who's like six inches shorter than him, that's not a good look. And then he sat there and, and complained to the refs, tried to like hack at the ball a little bit and The Celtics in all three of those cases came down the floor and I think scored every single time. And it was the game was out of hand just like that. At a point when the Nuggets starters did come back into the game at 85 to 80, the game quickly turned again on its head. It went from 85 to 80 to uh, when Jokic came off the floor at a let me just let me just check to find out when I'm in the wrong quarter here. It was 85 to 80 at the 839 mark. And it turned into a 96 to 82 game at the 441 mark. So in four minutes of time, the Celtics scored 11 points and the Nuggets scored two. That's with the starters on the floor. There's a lot to think about here. And I'm going to talk about Jokic and Porter specifically in the second segment. But I think what really, like, we really need to talk about the bench again. And I hate, I I don't want to talk about them. 
it is it's very annoying that in this case where Denver has won eight games in a row and this is their first loss in like in the Aaron Gordon era that this is such a big storyline. But the problem is it is a big storyline because Jamichael Green was atrocious in this game. So bad. And that is not a great sign for a player that the Nuggets, like, they're hoping to rely on him. And it's not just him. Like, he was one of six, one of four from three. But if one of those other threes drops, then it feels pretty good. But Jamichael Green was a minus 23 in 14 minutes. Paul Millsap was a minus 23 in 12 minutes. Monte Morris was a minus 23 in 19 minutes. P.J. Dozier was a minus 30 in 17 minutes. He was definitely, like... He, I thought P.J. Dozier actually played decently. I, d- I didn't think that he was a problem in any way, shape, or form. Seven points on six shots, uh, played decent defense at times. He wasn't the issue. The problem is Denver's offense with that bench unit out there went to at just a, a terrible state where there was no way for them to score in any way, shape, or form. And here's why. The Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green pairing has a fatal flaw, and it's because they can't they can't really do anything creation creating for themselves at the rim or behind the three point line. They will get shots created for them, and that is fine, but they struggle to put pressure on the rim unless there's another driving force next to them. And both of those guys, Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green, they're pick and pop bigs. You want them uh, as a as a four or a five next to another player that can put pressure on the rim, kind of open up the open up the spacing a little bit. Because despite the fact that the Nuggets are technically playing five out, with Paul Millsap a good three point shooter, with Jamichael Green a good three point shooter, Monte Morris, Will Barton, PJ Dozier, all guys that can hit threes. It doesn't matter. Because teams don't care. Teams don't care if they if they try to shoot those threes. They're going to wall off the paint first. Denver's actions where they're trying to get to the rim are exactly what Boston tried to take away. Boston went out of their way with that bench unit to either switch everything or double team the ball handler and leave the pick and pop option open. And those guys, when they miss... They get hesitant. Jokic does the same thing. He went 0 for 2 tonight. He was doing the the pump fake and drive every single time. And that's not good either. But when you have to face a switching system, when you have to face a team that doesn't respect you driving to, like, trying to use your primary actions to the rim, it devolves into switch and isolation basketball. Either the guards are going to have to isolate by themselves or the bigs are going to have to punish teams for switching. Jamichael Green turned the ball over twice, once on a travel, once on an offensive foul, by trying to post up Romeo Langford, a rookie or second-year player, I don't remember, uh, who has been awful with the Celtics mostly. He got into it with the Celtics bench because Romeo Langford then then he was like he was he, Romeo Langford was flopping calls. Let's let's be honest here. That it wasn't a real like offensive foul. But Jamichael Green he hasn't given any reason to for refs to call it any other way because all he does is bury his shoulder into the chest of somebody trying to move them 
especially when it's a smaller player. He has no touch as a post-up player. Paul Millsap has very little strength as a post-up player trying to get to the rim. He's very much more finesse. He's not going to drive his way to the rim. He's trying to get around guys, and he struggled to get around guys and get off the ground again. They cannot punish people when they switch. And that puts a lot of pressure on Monte Morris, Will Barton, and P.J. Dozier. Because when those guys then try to isolate, they are staring at a paint. They're staring at a, at a, at a defense with all five guys looking at them as, as isolation options. And each of them have a foot in the paint, or at least pretty close to it, where even if Monte, Will, PJ, even when they get by their guy, they're going to be facing two or three other people at the rim. And it's been a problem because Denver hasn't been able to space the floor. They haven't been able to punish people for doing that. They haven't been able to punish teams for switching. And if you can't do that, then you can't put defenses in the easy position where they can switch those actions. That is exactly why Denver hasn't been able to score. Whether it's Faku on the courts, whether it's Monte, those guys aren't like isolation players. They want to run offense. They want to create shots for other people. But if they get switches onto them, there is no other, like they, they can't just run that simple offense. It's impossible. So, it's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles this. Jamal Murray should be back at some point. His injury is not serious. Michael Porter, I think he'll probably spend some more time with the bench unit at various points because he's a good enough offensive player and they need somebody who can punish switches a little bit. Maybe just create some offense by being tall, by being athletic. Because right now with this bench unit, there's just a lack of dynamism especially when Millsap and Green are out there. This team goes east-west. You want them to go north-south. You want them to be able to get to the rim, put pressure on the middle of the floor. Because right now, Denver's offense, especially their bench offense, has struggled to do that consistently. And the starters picked up the pace, but they picked up the slack in the second quarter. They helped that bench unit recover despite the fact that they struggled in the late first, early second quarter. The starters couldn't do it again. The momentum was all gone. They struggled to get it back. And could you blame them for not being able to get it back? Yes, they did have an opportunity to do so. And Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. completely froze. But it starts with that bench unit because if the Nuggets have to dig themselves out of a hole every single time, I am going to lose my mind. It's very annoying. The Nuggets have to find a way to fix it. JaVale McGee might not be an all-purpose fix. He may not be. But I think it's time to play him a little bit more than he's played. He can't just be an option for when another guy sits. Because right now, Paul Millsap has not given the Nuggets any reason to play him more than JaVale McGee. That's a fact. And it's not time to be sentimental about this. Because the Nuggets are trying to win a ring. They are not trying to do right. Like, doing right by people is fine. And and you should continue to be positive. But the Nuggets gave Paul Millsap a one-year $10 million contract. They paid him $10 million to stick around. 
He did his job by helping them keep afloat. Now they have personnel where they probably need to play some of those other guys. And it's time to react that way. Let's take a quick break. Before we come back, I want to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season, and even though the Nuggets, they, they don't feel like they're gearing up for the playoffs right now, they are. The Nuggets are a lock to make the playoffs, don't get me wrong. Others are, are they're still fighting for their opportunity to trace the trophy this summer, and DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 in free bets is simple. Pick any basketball team you want to win their next game, and you don't even have to pick them to win. If you just pick them and they make a three-pointer, if they hit a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. The Nuggets, despite the fact that they struggled today and only scored 87 points, if you bet on them today, you would have cashed. That is how great this offer is. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They do not even have to win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Alright, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, everybody that's posted a five-star review, I have really, really appreciated seeing those come in. It's been a flood. Thank you so much for all of the love and support. You guys are awesome. Uh, it makes me want to continue to post content. It makes me want to continue to contribute because I think that this is a it's a great partnership that we have here. You guys, you guys uplift me and support me as much as you can, and I in turn do my best to to stay sane because it, it, this game it, it's uh, it's not a fun one to podcast after let me tell you that but I know that I'm going to get the same love and support on this one I would even during their biggest win so thank you so much for being supportive let's talk about Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. I'm just going to read off their stat lines to start and we'll go from there Nikola Jokic 6 of 15 from the field 0 of 2 from 3 5 of 7 from the free throw line 17 points 11 assists, 10 rebounds, gets his triple-double, only two turnovers, did have a steal and a block, uh, three fouls, 32 minutes, was a plus nine in a game the Nuggets lost by 18 points. Michael Porter Jr., 22 points, 9 of 23 from the field, 1 of 12 from three, 3 of 3 from the line, 11 rebounds himself, 0 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, was a plus 8 in a game the Nuggets lost by 18 points. I feel like those are important pieces of data because on one hand, you look at those numbers and and you look at Jokic's stat line in particular and you think, okay, 17 points on 15 shots isn't the best efficiency, 
but he still managed to get a triple-double. He still managed to do a lot of good things, and he was a plus in a game where the Nuggets lost by 18 points. That is a really big deal. It shows that he was definitely not the reason that they lost. And yet, he could have been the reason that they won. Because when he came back into the game, the Nuggets were down by five points. They had eight and a half minutes to go. There was absolutely an opportunity for them to come back. And yet, it felt like there was a certain reluctance for him to go after this game. And then when he did go after it, you saw three straight possessions where he didn't really know how to attack Grant Williams in the post. Grant Williams is a good player. He's a good defensive player. He's young. He's smart. He's very strong. One of the best things about him is that he's very difficult to move in the post. And Jokic found that out firsthand. Jokic actually really struggled today with Tristan Thompson as well. The only guy that he really did well against was Robert Williams, I thought. Jokic collapsed in this game. Mentally. And I think that there's a lot of frustration and and dictation that's letting Jokic... That's, it's ruling Jokic's mind right now. He is not at the center of his own universe right now. And that is a problem. Because in a situation where the Nuggets have won their last eight games... Jokic is as frustrated as ever. He is pissed off. Around the same time today as the game on Friday, kind of three and a half minutes, three minutes 40 left in the second quarter, he picked up another technical foul. And doing so in two games in a row, that is not a great sign. And I don't think that he even earned the technical on this one. I think he he reacted and, and kind of gesticulated a little bit a little bit too much, a little bit too much animation. But he didn't really earn it. I was there, like, I know. He wasn't reacting at the ref. He just kind of, like, was very kind of flashy with his response away from the referee. And then that same referee teed him up like he was hunting him. And just to let you know, it was the same ref crew in this game that it was on Friday. So keep that in mind and take all of this with a grain of salt. That being said... The Nuggets had an opportunity to win this game. And I think I'm going to say something pretty controversial here. An MVP does not act the way that Jokic acted today. The way that he acted today. Because he had an opportunity in this one with four minutes left to go for a comeback, for him to do everything that he's usually done. He is still the MVP of the league. Don't get me wrong. One game does not a narrative make. And if it did, this is definitely not the one that you'd want to hang your narrative on. Because he's been unbelievably great. He's been the best player in the NBA this year. I agree with that. That being said, Joel Embiid dominated against the Celtics the last time he faced Boston. Nikola Jokic looked like he he passed the ball well. He was a a decent interior presence at times, but he did not look locked in. And it could just be there's been a bunch of games. It's a game against Boston. It's, It's a Sunday afternoon. But this was an opportunity missed by Jokic where he had a lot of people watching him. There was the Boston media, of course, which is very strong. 
Uh, ESPN had their had their gaze on him today, and there were a lot of people that saw him pout after missing three straight shots and then bench himself. That is a really, really not great look. And I can say this because I'm a local media member and I know what goes on every single day, that that is not something that he does often. The last time you saw something like this was game three of the first round against Utah. He usually comports himself very well, keeps his composure does a great job of staying locked in, staying focused. This was not that night. And I hope that he can kind of, Michael Porter Jr. said this in the post game that he doesn't want to dwell on it. They don't want to dwell on this game. They want to throw this game in the trash and move on. I hope that Jokic can throw this in the trash and try to turn the page a little bit, try to turn a new leaf because this has been building for a while. This is his second technical in three days. He's pissed off at everybody. He does not want to be here. And yet he has to be. Because this team needs him. The bench has been terrible. The starters rely on him. Without him to stir the drink, they are doomed. So he's got to take a few breaths in order to make this thing right. Because if he can't, then they're going to be in trouble. Let's talk about Michael Porter. Uh... 23 shots is a lot of shots. I just want to look this up really quickly to make sure I'm not crazy because I think that this was a career high in shot attempts for Porter. Uh, let me just make sure. Um, yes, yeah, so his career high for shot attempts before this game was 19 in the regular season. In the playoffs, it's 17. Yeah, 19 shots in the in the regular season, and he took 23 tonight. Took 12 threes, was one of 12. This was a sh- this was a night where Michael Porter clearly didn't have the outside shot going. It was very clear from the outset. The only shot that he got to go was kind of a one on three transition bl- break early in the game in his first stint in the first quarter. He missed 11 shots after that. And I thought that a lot of them were pretty poor attempts. There was a lot of opportunity for Denver to kind of work the margins a little bit, for them to try to work for a better shot, especially in that fourth quarter. Denver shot th- three threes around a kind of what Jokic was or- was operating, and Porter had some good looks, don't get me wrong. But 9 of 23 and 1 of 12 from 3 means that Porter was 8 of 11 from inside the arc. He was doing an excellent job of, of kind of going at the glass and finishing from two-point range. He had one possession today where he received the ball on the left wing, saw an opening to the cup, took one dribble, and kind of cupped the ball in one hand as he just sort of glided to the rim. And it was just one of the most majestic like finger roll lay-ins I've seen in a long time from him. It was a possession where you think about, okay, He's learning stuff. He is learning stuff on the fly, doing stuff really well. Tonight, or today, other than that, from a three-point shooting perspective, he can't get up 12 threes and only make one of them. That's how you lose a game. And he, like, look, again, as I say this, the bench was the reason the Nuggets lost the game. That was the reason. But Porter could have gotten it back a little bit from the three-point line. 
He shot two of seven in the previous game. He's been kind of cold from the three-point line for a little bit here. Uh, It's been a while since he's kind of missed this many threes, and I doubt that he misses that many again. He's kind of got to get out of his own head, I think. I still think that this could be a really big learning experience for him because without Jamal Murray on the floor, you had Faku out there. You had Monte and PJ sometimes. You had when Will Barton sat, you also had Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon only took five shots tonight, and I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he could have definitely benefited from having some additional shot attempts. Porter hijacked the offense at times, and you don't want to see that. There were definitely a lot of times where he just kind of took a flying three-point shot or just kind of curling off of a screen a little bit, kind of fading away. If he gets more time to kind of set his feet, get into a good rhythm to generate some better shots, he's going to benefit himself and the entire team. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because he can make crazy shots. But the fact is he's 6'10 and he shouldn't have to. He can do better than what he did today. That is what I will say. I think this is a learning experience for him. And I hope that he can continue to corral that because Denver's offense scored 87 points. And a large reason for that is because of the shot attempts that he took. When he attacked the rim, he was great. When he didn't attack the rim, it sort of devolved into something not great. So let's just leave it at that. And I hope that Denver Stars can be better tomorrow night. Uh, Monday night against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I hope Jamal Murray is back. It would surprise me, honestly, if he wasn't. He's been close to being back for a while, so we'll see what happens. Uh, But for now, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Monday positivity. Get into that, because I think everybody could use it. We'll be right back. out of here monday positivity let's get to it this is going to be a shorter say a statement because i think that everybody's just going to want to get out of here but i need this more than anyone because as you guys know i've been pretty open about mental health and things of that nature it's important to kind of wipe the slate clean it's important to move on when something doesn't go your way you learn from it you try to learn but you don't dwell and and i thought that there were a lot of good points made in the post game tonight, Michael Porter Jr., I thought it was very insightful. He was talking about, I don't want to dwell on it. That's not something I'm going to do. He was very unhappy about missing 11 shots from three. And he was pretty self-reflective of that's like, he's just not going to dwell on it because he could make 10 of 12 in his next game. And that's how talented he is. So he should comport himself that way. But let's do this. Let's start with Faku Kampazo who was really good. Faku was really good tonight, and he deserves a lot of credit. I bashed him on this podcast on Friday night, Saturday morning. And I said, I just don't see him in the playoff rotation at all. I I think I was fair. I think I was definitely saying things that... I, I wasn't saying anything out of, like, hate or bias or anything like that. I'm just trying to call it as I see it. And I said that he couldn't play. 
he had a really good bounce back game today. It was definitely not on him for when like the, this game fell apart. I will say, and let me, let me, okay. I'm going to say what I said, 14 points, five of six from the field, three of three from three, one of one from the free throw line. I thought he moved the ball really well. I thought he did a nice job. He, he, had an offensive rebound, then dished it to Aaron Gordon for a dunk. That was great. The two turnovers that he had, he had only two, but they came back to back, and they were a part of that third quarter run that really started killing Denver. So I thought he was feeling himself a little bit, kind of got sloppy with the ball. He he uh, went behind the back when Jokic was diving to the rim. He assumed that Jokic was popping. That's understandable. Uh, but he he was trying to go a no-look behind the back because he assumed that Jokic would be there and Jokic was not. Whether that's a miscommunication on Jokic's part, I don't know. I wasn't there. But, or I, I was there, but I, I clearly I'm not in the play, so I don't get it. Uh, I think that got a little sloppy. But Faku had a really good game. He was in a situation tonight where I thought he played really well. He was not the reason that they lost in any way, shape, or form. It was a plus one in an 18-point loss. That is good. Another positive. JaVale McGee, he will almost certainly play on Monday night versus Golden State. Michael Malone has talked about how he's probably going to rest Paul Millsap on back-to-backs. Well, he played Paul Millsap on Sunday. I doubt that he plays him on Monday night against Golden State. And for JaVale McGee, that is a good thing because he's going to go up against a team in the Warriors, that they are not great. They are not a a, a really, really bad basketball team outside of Steph Curry and Draymond pick-and-rolls and and two-man game, things like that. So as long as he isn't stuck to defending Draymond Green as a small ball center, then I think that he'll be okay. I don't know who they're going to start. They'll probably start Kevon Looney uh, and kind of go from there, but We'll see what Golden State does, how they match up. James Wiseman, if you didn't hear, he tore his meniscus in the previous game. So he is going to be out almost, uh, he's going to be out certainly. Uh, They don't know whether he'll be out for the season or not. So their rotation is about to change and and Jokic will probably be a beneficiary for that. Uh, But we'll see if JaVale will be a beneficiary as well. I would expect him to play. Another positive, the Nuggets are still in fourth place in the West outright. This is definitely, like, that isn't changing. And and that's because Denver went on this run and did a great job. They are 34-19 and right now. The Lakers are 33-20. and So they're a game ahead of the Lakers for the four seed. The Portland Trailblazers are all the way down at 31-22. and They lost tonight against the Miami Heat. Look at the Eastern Conference. Superior conferences have always said on this program. That's a, that's a lie, by the way. Uh, Portland... They don't gain any ground from Denver losing. Negatively, uh, the Clippers did gain ground. They won today against Detroit, despite the fact that they were losing pretty late into that game. They did win against the Detroit Pistons, and they are now 37-18. and Denver's at 34-19, and so they're one loss back. But they still have another game against the Clippers where they can make that up. So it is possible for Denver to make up that, that difference there. We'll see if they do. I'm curious to see whether Denver's going to try to go for a top three seed, whether they try to go for the top two. They almost certainly won't get there. 
But I want to know whether they're going to push for that and whether that means that Jamal Murray is going to come back. He didn't play tonight, and I thought that his presence against the Celtics would have been very helpful. He's a great player, obviously, but I thought that Denver's offense really fell apart when Jokic couldn't really bring them back together in that fourth quarter. Obviously, he would help with the bench. He would also help with the starters. He'd also help with that group for sure, because they need somebody as a steadying force, especially if Jokic isn't going to be that steadying force all the time. Murray has proven that he can do that. He can go off. He can alleviate some of that pressure. Jokic has been playing the last three games without Jokic, or without Murray, excuse me, and I feel like that's probably getting to him. Those two need each other. And I know that people might, like, people might kind of turn their nose up at that because Murray isn't the same caliber of player as Jokic. Jokic is the best player in the world. Murray has yet to make an all-star game. I think that he is an all-star caliber player. That is my opinion. But those two have so much synergy, so much connectivity, that they make each other's lives so much easier. I think that Denver's offense has really struggled over these last three games because of it. So, the good news. Today is over. (laughs) Sunday is over, and we can turn the page on a new week. Denver had a positive week overall this last week. It ended on a sour note. The good news is that the sun is going to rise. The Nuggets are still going to be a great basketball team. This doesn't change my mind about them at all. And a reminder that when Denver last kind of had their their real teardown moment, their emotional letdown moment, it was in the first round of the playoffs against Utah in game three of those playoffs in the bubble. And what happened after that? They found a way to come back together, found a way to do all the things that they needed to do, were mentally tough and resilient, and were able to get it done together. I think they can do that again. This doesn't change my mind about them as a playoff contender, as a championship contender. They just need a reset. They need to wipe the slate clean. And once they do that, anything is still possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. We will be back on Monday night, Tuesday morning to talk about the Golden State Warriors game. I think I might have something special planned as well that that you guys are going to want to be tuning into. Uh, Actually, no, let me just, if you're listening to this now, Brandon Ewing and I are going to be over on Locker Room, and we are going to be doing something special. Uh, We are going, in the fourth quarter, we are going to go live at the beginning of the fourth quarter and chat with Nuggets fans, talk to you guys about the game, talk to you guys, react to the plays, And if it's a close game, then we can all react in the same room together. And it should be a lot of fun. Should be a good kind of interactive segment. We'll probably go for the fourth quarter and maybe the first 15, uh, 10 to 15 minutes after. We're going to try to do a a 40 to 45 minute session. Should be a lot of fun. Can ask ask and answer a lot of questions. I'm excited to do it. That is going to do it for this episode. And I'll talk to you guys very soon.